Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Future Chat from Unwind Media. I am Rob Attrell, and I'm here today with the co-host of all time, Mike Attrell. We meet every week to bring you all of the latest and greatest science and tech news. Our handsome and charming senior contributor, Nick Maddox, is also here with us. And how are you doing today, my good sir? Which one, me? Yeah, you're the handsome and charming one. Uh, doing pretty well. We, uh, we had our, our final on liquid penetrant inspection yesterday, okay. and uh, we celebrated afterwards. Um, surprisingly, wall twerking was involved. All right. Like I, upside down, I, is that, I'm assuming. Yeah. Mean? I yeah, had never right. wall twerked before, but now I have. That's, did it go well? Surprisingly well, yeah. It's also much easier from up there. Oh. Crazy. No, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you just got to put your hands you down doing? and walk oh. up the wall. It's amazing. Uh. <laughs> Wait, was this twerking or was it just like wall flailing? No, it was twerking. <laughs> okay. Mike, how are you doing? Uh, I'm great. I'm ecstatic about my, my award for co-host of all time. That's Yeah, yeah that's great amazing. Honor. Yeah. It's I need actually, like a trophy now. <laughs> feels like, oh. Congratulations. We, we have Thank the you. budget. You could make yourself a trophy if you want. We have the budget? We have wow. a budget? <laughs> I think if you went, you could go maybe $10 to the trophy store. Okay. I'll take a Sound look. Mills rummage around some garage sales for an old bowling trophy and then just re- repurpose it. All right. Yeah. I, <laughs> I thought it was going to be like, I thought it was going to be, you know, okay, Mike, go down to the library. It's 10 cents <laughs> a sheet and we have that, but you can print in color a trophy <laughs> on the, the thick, nice stock and then cut it out. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is $10. You can do a lot of $10. Yeah, that's a pretty yeah. sweet budget. Yeah. You could probably 3d print it with paper. Just take Maybe. a stack of paper and then yeah. carve it out of the 3D stack. That's an idea. That's mm. great. <laughs> uh, Mike, did you do any wall twerking this week? I, I did not. I, to be honest, I don't even know what that is. So, <laughs> <laughs> You know you're a father when. You better learn. You've got about 10 to 15 years to learn what oh, twerking wall is. Oh, wall twerking. I thought like <laughs> Walt working. No, no. Wall oh. twerking. Gotcha. No, I know what that is. So, okay. <laughs> no, I did. I haven't done any of that. Oh. All right, <laughs> that's a shame. Obviously, nothing very good happened in your office. Obviously, <laughs> definitely not as exciting as Nick's class. So, oh man. All right, so uh, we got some follow up here from last week, as per usual. I, this week, I don't think, or last week, I guess, I don't think we did anything wrong. So this is all just follow up on on stuff yeah. we did talk about, but not mistakes we made. If we have made mistakes, let us know. Yeah, but and as we, of we now, probably won't talk about them anyway. But. <laughs> We we might if they're big enough we might talk about them. But uh, so we've got some news here about WhatsApp Voice. Uh, Mike, mm-hmm. was this you? Yes, that was me. So what's going on with WhatsApp? So we talked about the WhatsApp SIM card service that they were going to start rolling out beta testing yeah. uh, stage rollout, whatever you want to call it. So they just announced that they were going to be coming out with a WhatsApp voice service, similar to the Google Hangouts uh, voice call, voice over internet. IP? I don't think it's IP, but it's oh, okay. voice over LTE, I guess. Yeah. Um, Volt? Yeah. Neat. So similar type of service uh, using the WhatsApp uh, program that okay. people have. 
Um, so I don't think it was explicitly mentioned, but I'd imagine that it would work with the WhatsApp SIM cards. So you could essentially kind of get away with only using the WhatsApp SIM card for your calling and texting needs, possibly. That'd be pretty cool if it were um, I I don't know if the WhatsApp voice is only app-to-app calling or if it's going to be able to dial to actual phone numbers. Right. I don't think the details are out yet on that. but I would imagine it's probably just WhatsApp-to-WhatsApp, but that yeah. would still be a pretty big deal. Yeah, for sure. Because it's in, yeah, especially in those developing countries, like everyone's using WhatsApp anyway. So for all intents and purposes, you may as well just call the WhatsApp service versus an actual phone number. Yeah. So. You know what I saw the other day on the bus? Someone was making a phone call with Facebook Messenger. Mm-hmm. And I had never seen that. I, like, I, yeah. I know it's existed for years now, yeah. but I'd never seen a person using it in public. And I, I saw someone using it. <laughs> I believe I saw that yesterday, actually. It the, was really weird. The one time I tried it, it said that it wasn't available for that contact. So because probably because they didn't have the app because they were paranoid about uh, yep. about security. Yeah, I was disappointed. I was yeah. all excited. I'm like, <laughs> I don't have their phone number. Wait, I'll just use Facebook Messenger. No. Yeah. No, so spoiled. hopefully this will encourage people to use a Facebook service that does voice. Yeah. Because well, I I know that wasn't me because you could call me on Hangouts. That's true. <laughs> also, I think I you have my number. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I, w- I would never call you via the regular voice yeah. cell network. I would. I was talking to Mike. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> he wouldn't either. Yeah, no, when, I, I know you have my number. When Nick and I, <laughs> Rob, when Nick and I first hung out, I called him on the Hangouts app Good. using... Oh, that's right. Service. Yeah. 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 It worked perfectly. Um, so much better than stupid Facebook Messenger. <laughs> Actually, true. you know what? I uh, On that note, I got a call a Hangouts call yesterday. And in the Hangouts app, there was a little pop-up that came up over the, the chat list that said I had a phone call coming in, but it said I could either decline the call or I could, if I pushed a button, I could call, answer with just voice or I could answer with video. It gave me the option of all three. Ooh. Cool. Which I thought was pretty nice and I hadn't seen before. And it also, now the Hangouts iOS, the at least the iPad app, does a little overlay type thing where I can just have a free-floating chat window over the rest of my Hangouts. Yeah. Uh, conversations which i thought was pretty neat mm-hmm. it used to just like it would leave the video you'd still have the the voice call but you wouldn't have the video but now you can do both nice good old hangouts always improving now we just gotta wait for google voice <laughs> <laughs> uh and so the next piece of follow-up we have here is more news out of the fcc we talked last week about how they were doing a bunch of stuff redefining broadband uh, what was the other one? They redefined broadband to 25 megabits and they were going to prevent throttling. Oh yeah. 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 And so now they've gone a step further and they've taken a stand. <laughs> Technically it's a stand for net neutrality, which is pretty great. And it's why my tagline this week is I heart Tom Wheeler, because I said last week, I think I'm on his side now. I think I'm okay <laughs> with him. And now I'm fully, even if this doesn't work out, the way that regulators want, I think I'm at least on his side with this. Honestly, I was skeptical when I heard about his appointment, but mm-hmm. I mean, I suppose it makes sense. I think it's, uh, how does it work? You have to be a lawyer for a while before you become a judge. Yeah. And part of that is that, you know, if you're a lawyer for a while, you know, the kinds of things that they do and 
you can call them on it. Yeah, it's definitely helpful to have him having lobbying and and telecommunications experience. I'm just glad that he sort of he back last year, at the middle of last year, he was fully on the side of what do you mean net neutrality? We're just going to have these fast lanes and it'll be fine and everyone's going to get along just fine without it. And uh, people spoke up in huge numbers and he's now changed his tune to that's his job. His job is to listen to the public and make decisions on regulation based on what the public actually want. And that's what he did. Now, to be clear, the reason that it's in the follow-up there is because there was some clarification on the definition of throttling that was being used in their ruling. Okay. So it looks like the throttling that they're talking about is kind of along the same lines as the preferential treatment type stance versus limiting speeds once you've reached a certain cap or or based on a plan. Um so yeah. that's that's why that's why the headline on that is that it's not going to change much for the mobile environment because right now the, the throttling that people refer to is generally you know once you exceed like you know ten gigabytes in the month it starts limiting your speed that's not the kind of throttling that they're talking about with this ruling the throttling that they're talking about is limiting the speeds of certain uh, like services based on preferential or non preferential treatment right. Yeah, the throttling we were talking about last week was individual customers, whereas yeah. net neutrality on a whole is big services and ISPs, if essentially throttling each other at the source, like not allowing them faster fast connections to the mm-hmm. internet as a whole. Yeah, and yeah, I've heard a couple people being pretty cynical and saying that yeah, this is a step, and uh, but it's probably going to take a couple years. If anything, there's going to be appeals, there's going to be lawsuits from the ISPs and from the 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 big internet companies, but I still think, take it for what it is, he could have gone the other way and could have just sided with the, the millions of lobbying dollars and he took a stand for people, for the millions of people that spoke up as opposed to the millions of dollars that corporations put up. So I think it's a victory, even if it's not the end of the war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so going coming a little closer to home in Canada... We talked a bit at the end of the show last week about a bill. I guess it was CSIS that put it forward? No. Uh, C51? Well, well it's, it has to do with CSIS. Yeah, it has to do with CSIS, but CSIS doesn't table bills. Right. No, no, no. Um, and so, Nick, do you want to go into a bit? I don't know if we actually know too much more than we did last week. It's going to take a bit longer for this to develop, but do you know, is there anything more that we do know? Well... Um, unfortunately, like the, the, I don't know, the coverage on this has just been lackluster. I feel, um, I know some pundits are going nuts over it and rightly so, but it's just not being talked about very much. It's, um, it appears to be Harper's legislative response to, uh, the attacks in, was it late October or was it early November? Late October, I believe. Uh, yeah. Yeah. October. Yeah, dates are hard. 22nd, 23rd. That's a, oh wait, I got to I got to Calgary on the 22nd. And yeah. it was a few and you were days, in Calgary already. Yeah, it was yeah. a few days after that. Maybe 26th. 
details. Anyway, yeah. so this is his legislative response to um, what happened. And it's interesting uh, what he's talking about CSIS doing anyway. So CSIS still does not have the power to arrest someone. But they have what they're calling the power to disrupt. So the things they can do, they have to obtain a court order to do it from the Auditor General, I believe. Um, or the Attorney General, rather. Sorry. Both starts with an A. <laughs> but they, through that action, they would be able to cancel plane or other travel reservations made by Canadians suspected of wanting to join the Islamic State or other extremist groups overseas. Block any financial transactions linked to suspected terrorist activity. Intercept shipments of Canadian-made equipment or material to Canadian individuals or groups that could be used in an attack. Or switch or make sus- suspect equipment being shipped unusable as part of an ongoing es- investigation. And the financial transactions, the travel reservations, that kind of stuff... Yeah, and I think they also have. Um, they are able to get the, a court order to compel the manager of a. This is a different bill entirely, but you can compel the whatever uh, curator of a web page to take down any inflammatory material. That was their that was their bill to remove terrorism from the internet. Because as I said last week, anytime a national government has sought to cleanse the internet of something, it has always, always worked. Okay. That's why we don't have terrorism anymore. That's right, Mike. Okay. That's, that's exactly right. Well, not well the I internet. mean, we haven't had it since a few days ago anyway. No, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know if we're ever going to, if, I mean, I'm, I'm almost certain that this alone isn't going to solve anything. And I'm and not these sure are all- that- the reason I yeah. wanted to talk to you guys, sorry, was that these a lot of this stuff is, you know, via the internet or stuff like that. Yep. Uh, it's interesting. It actually kind of goes along with the story that I think it was earlier this week that they've appointed, or the Harper government is trying to appoint the RCMP to be in charge of security on Parliament Hill now. Are they not, not sure. already? No, there's a, there's a special service. Um. But they were talking about, yeah, doing that. And there were a bunch of people that were really, a bunch of parliamentarians, actually, that were pretty upset about it because they, each of, I think, the, each of parliament, um, is it parliament and the Senate? Is that the two houses? I can never remember the names. The um, upper and they each lower have their houses? Own separate, yeah, they each have their own separate security service. And there's a Parliament Hill service, but apparently they're, the Harper government's trying to put RCMP in charge. And a lot of people don't agree with that for what for various reasons i mean i don't think it's the fact that rcmp are bad at their jobs or anything like that but apparently people are pretty upset so again i think that's something that is kind of developing but it, ha- it all kind of ties together in in canadian security and this aspect isn't necessarily online or having anything to do with tech but it's an interesting development in the the, the sort of terrorism coming to canada thing so we'll have to follow it as as these things develop and they always take time. Mm-hmm. Um, do we remember 
the name of the guy who Kevin Vickers. That's who it is. He was in charge of parliament security. Yeah. But yeah. So Mike, what are your thoughts? I don't know. It's, you know, it's obviously national security interest. So you'd like to think that, you know, they have our, our best interests in mind when they come up with these things, but just the idea of being able to cancel a plane ticket, I don't know, you know, without having, you know, various uh, kind of justification for doing it possibly. I don't know to what extent that's actually going to be beneficial, but I guess, you know, if they don't have the authority to actually arrest people, I don't know. They got to be able to do something, I guess, if they're trying to chase a lead, but they're not able to actually detain someone, then they got to do something, I guess. Well, what they did before was CSIS was just an intelligence gathering organization and they would mm-hmm. inform like the RCMP when things needed to be done. Um, I'm not sure on the exact details, but I've heard that uh, the RCMP used to be in charge of the whole thing, but bad things happened, you know, bad yeah. clandestine things happened and CSIS became a separate arm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't have, like the FBI and the CIA are two different things in the States, but we only have CSIS, don't we? Like we don't really no, have our, the FBI uh, uh, parallel here, yeah. right? No, that's the RCMP. Oh, is it? Yeah. As far Didn't as I know. Did we talk about this last week? <laughs> Sorry? What's that? Didn't we talk about this last week? No. Having deja vu. No. I don't think so. I talked about it with somebody. Um, but yeah, it's the the whole national security thing and stopping people on suspicion of terrorism is is I think a little bit reaching. the The states has had a no fly list that has gotten incredibly long for a really long time, and a lot of evidence has gone or a lot of studies have shown that it doesn't actually do anything. Having this sort of blanket ban that you can get your name on the no fly list for any number of innocuous reasons and it's nearly impossible to get your name off. And anybody who has that name, like if your name is the same as the name of someone on the no-fly list, then you're not going to be able to, to yeah. fly either. And you're going to have a really hard time doing anything. It like, it makes the whole idea kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Um, Belleville actually had a, a radio announcer named Sean Kelly. He couldn't fly anywhere because he had the same name as some Irish terrorist. Yeah. And with a name like Sean Kelly. Right, like that's half the people in Ireland. <laughs> Apparently it's at least one Irish terrorist, so there's yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, all right, are we ready to move on to the meat of the show? I keep calling it meat. Yeah. i got to come up with a better word. The bread of the show. Oh, the, I like that. The, right in the, the middle. substance of the show? Wait, no. <laughs> the actual show? Yeah. Uh, so we'll move to a lighter topic now, and uh, that's the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl just happened, yeah. and there was a lot of tech that went into it. Yeah. Uh, so some of the things that, that I heard over the course of the week to do with Super Bowl is uh, for the first time, they used all LED lights to light the stadium, which I thought was pretty cool. Mm. Uh, I'm surprised it's never been done before, but apparently there's a lot of cost savings and efficiency increases. So, I mean, we didn't have any major blackouts of half the stadium. So I think that was a positive over past Super Bowls. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's a couple of other sort of bigger, I don't know if they're bigger stories here, uh, but Mike, do you want to 
you want to introduce your Super Bowl segment? <laughs> yeah, Bowl so corner. yeah, Super Bowl corner. Um, no, I just thought it was is relevant because you know a lot of people watch the Super Bowl, and I, I don't know. I found this one a particularly good and exciting Super Bowl, so I was yeah, no, it was pleasantly surprised. Very exciting. Yeah, you know, good halftime show too. Um, so wait, I'm the only one who didn't watch the Super Bowl. The only yes. one that's, in North America who didn't watch the Super Bowl, yes. That's what I'm hearing. Well, no, Kaya was with me. She wasn't watching either. <laughs> so the two of you didn't watch the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Like, we've all seen hashtags kind of come into uh, more common occurrences since Twitter kind of pioneered them. And yeah. uh, Facebook started using them. And then Google+. Plus. Um, and pretty much every kind of social media platform utilizes some form of hashtagging these days, yeah. I think. Um, and you know, then you started seeing commercials kind of have hashtags, you know, like hashtags loving it or whatever. Right. Um, I don't know if that's an actual hashtag (laughs) for an example though. Um, so I guess one group kind of tallied all the hashtags that were shown during the Super Bowl, uh, the broadcast on TV, um, and what brands were using hashtags and for what social media platforms. So it looks like it was Facebook that led the way with um, the social media exposure during the commercials. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Twitter had three, while Facebook had four commercials. Um, so Facebook actually took the lead when it came to social media and hashtagging, which is kind of backwards from what you'd expect. Yeah. It's um, really strange, to be yeah. honest. And I guess I guess Snapchat was also included in the social media uh, technology marketing. You know, kind of like follow us on Snapchat or add us on Snapchat. So I guess to reach out to the ten to fourteen year old demographic, I guess. Right. Um. So I don't know. It's it's interesting to kind of see the different approaches from marketing departments and and what they try to use to to access their. Their market. I don't know if anyone actually follows those hashtags non-ironically. Yeah. Um, like you know, you see on Twitter all the time, people will just kind of make joke tweets yeah, yeah, yeah. using those hashtags. So, um, but I don't know. I guess it gets people talking about it and, and gives them exposure during the during their commercial. I guess because people relate to Facebook, and I guess you seem like a cool or hip brand if you're on Facebook or that kind of thing. So. Um, I don't know if you guys follow DiGiorno Pizza on Twitter, but no. they're, yeah. No, no like, I don't. They're, they're actually quite active and they're kind of integrated into like the the weird Twitter or comedy okay. aspect okay, yeah. of tweeting. So they interact a lot. And, but, you know, it's it's the literally the official DiGiorno Pizza brand. So right. um, they use that platform to kind of kind of reach that that demographic so hmm. i don't know just uh, thought it was interesting to see see them becoming more prominent during the advertising yeah it um it's weird that facebook is taking taking a lead over twitter on this mm-hmm. uh because i don't know if you've ever tried searching for a hashtag on facebook but it's impossible you can like you, there's a search bar up top but if you start typing a hashtag thing you have to like it's to actually search for a term you have to scroll down to the bottom of the list of suggestions. It's not going to let you just search for a hashtag. Uh, oh, okay. It takes forcible effort to do that, and I don't know that anyone 
aside from like a journalist trying to cover the story, has ever actually gone and searched for a hashtag on purpose. Yep. That's <laughs> aggravating. When, whenever I use a hashtag on Facebook, it's always just for the effect. It's not for yeah, exactly. actual any sort of tracking or conversational aspect. Yeah. If I if I may digress just briefly um, on the topic of humorous Twitter hashtags and whatnot, mm-hmm. uh, the LA Kings are an absolutely hilarious follow. Because uh, it was during the Super Bowl, they. I assume you guys know what I what the shark is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The, the left shark. shark. <laughs> left shark. Yeah. Uh, the LA Kings tweeted a picture of the shark and tagged the San Jose Sharks and said, oh, look, Sharks are finally in a championship game. Oh. oh that's awesome. Nice. <laughs> it was great. That's really good. <laughs> oh, man. That's yeah, funny. It, it, it actually, I mean, talking about the Super Bowl, I also saw it leading up, in the days leading up, apparently the Canadian, I guess it's the CRTC, made a deal. So in a, in the next couple of years, they're actually going to broadcast the yep. American commercials in Canada. Now it's unless you have like a satellite feed or a, a, a legal, quasi illegal <laughs> online stream, uh, a you don't stream get of see, questionable legality. Yeah, you don't get to see the American commercials. You see either repeats of Canadian commercials over and over again, like the same three commercials, or yeah. Yeah, it, but it's you don't get to see the actual Super Bowl commercials that people paid millions of dollars or advertisers, I guess, paid millions of dollars for. But it, within, I think they said within the next two years, yep. they're trying to get the push to have them broadcast, which I find kind of weird that like I don't think anybody, anybody non-ironically actually wants that. Nobody's like, oh, I want to see the good commercials, yeah. not just the bad commercials. No, I I know people who actually genuinely want to watch the Super Bowl for the commercials. I, uh, I'd like to go on the record and say those are bad people. <laughs> I'd like to say that they're lying because I, I can't, I honestly can't believe someone's sitting through three hours of football to watch commercials. Uh, well, I mean, everyone talks about them. Yeah. But you can I mean, get them online the next yeah, day on YouTube. They like create a playlist of all the commercials. Well, yeah, they do that now. Yeah, By so the way, Mike, before. have you looked outside today? It's look, it looks really pretty. <laughs> oh, it is sunny. Wow. Yeah, Our weather it's sunny. It's sunny, but there's this mist hanging over the city oh. that's just glowing. It's beautiful. <laughs> uh, I'm in my basement. I don't have the luxury of a oh, man, condo anymore. Window. Are we podcasting in the basement? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> what? I like this live weather segment out of nowhere. <laughs> I'm, I actually turned my workstation like slightly to the left this time for lighting yeah. purposes. It actually and does look a lot brighter. It does. Yeah. Yeah. It's, evenly lit. Well, it's, I don't know. It looks really nice. Cause I just, I don't know. We were talking about this. We were talking about the super bowl. And so I just naturally started staring out the window. <laughs> <laughs> it's really pretty out there. Uh-huh. So that's where that came from. All right. <laughs> so back to related news about the super bowl. Uh, apparently some people, who don't have cable were complaining about uh, efforts by networks to bring the Super Bowl into the at least the present, if not the future. Yeah. Uh, so what happened there, Mike? So they they actually live streamed the game free um, with ads, of course, but for all yeah. intents and purposes, free. Um, 
but you know, it did not have its. It was not without its share of hiccups. Um, I know there's a big debacle about the Apple live stream. Pretty much any live stream that a lot of people want to see tends to encounter these types of issues. Um, but I guess when you're watching a live sporting event with other people watching actually live, mm-hmm. um, it causes quite a few uh, uh, frustrations. Um, so the one, the guy who wrote this article, he was recounting how he was trying to watch it, but it was delayed by a good, you know, three to five minutes. Mm-hmm. And so he'd be watching, and then all of a sudden he'd hear a cheer, but there's nothing actually going on in the game. Oh. So then, then like three minutes later, they got a touchdown. And it's like, oh, I guess that's what that was. So then he realized, you know, after a while that these guys are like Patriots fans, the guys mm-hmm. upstairs. And uh, so towards the end of the game, it's like, you know, they're on their drive and they're heading to the end zone. And then all of a sudden, here's a cheer. But the uh, the Seahawks had the ball. So it's like, okay, so the Patriots fans just got really excited yeah. and the Seahawks are trying for a touchdown. So you put two and two together. <laughs> so it kind of ruined the moment of, of suspense there. But um, I don't know. I guess it's one of those things that it's easy as a spectator to say, oh, why can't these guys like put together a, a good quality stream without delays or that kind of thing. But yeah. it's it's probably a lot harder than it looks to kind of yeah That's allocate a- bandwidth and... yeah. I imagine that's one hell of a lot of bandwidth. Yeah. Oh, we've seen it done well, though. And broadcasting... A, Have we, though? A stream... The CBC World Cup coverage and the Olympic coverage was amazing. We've talked about CBC this before. CBC always, no, but- always does a good job yeah. of live online coverage. Although, during the Olympics, it was the gold medal women's game in the last Olympics. Mm-hmm. I just... I forget what exactly happened, but I lost it in my office. Uh-oh. And then from like two down, two offices down, I heard our streams like a minute ahead of yours. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it, did with the World Cup though, were you comparing it to an actual feed like on TV to see if it was delayed or well, not? I was comparing it to Twitter. Oh, okay. Twitter that, is a stream fair. works really well. Yeah. Um, but I was going to say another thing I noticed during the World Juniors, I was at a friend's house and he was streaming through his laptop the the game and it was terrible like the quality was so bad and so in one of the intermissions i decided to go and look at the computer as i want to do as a as a technology fiend uh i go and look at the computer and see if there's any anything i could do to fix it And it was a pretty modern dell laptop like it should have been able to handle this stream but it was bad quality and it was starting to lag behind and i would like I would go look at Twitter and I'd be like, oh, now it's 5 nothing, and it's still only 3 nothing here. Something must like right. it must be behind a little bit. Uh, and then, so as a general rule, if you have a router that's capable of using the 5 gigahertz band, use the 5 gigahertz yeah. band. I switched him from the regular Wi-Fi network to the 5 gigahertz one, and the rest of the game was pretty much up to date. Like There was no huge lag, and it was crystal clear compa- yeah. in comparison. Yeah, I think we talked about that in our EM episode, didn't we? About the, dub- uh, the so, dual yeah. band Wi-Fi routers. Yeah, yeah. five gigahertz is way better yeah. for HD video. Yeah. When like less people are using it, so there's less interference. Less people, too. but it's also the only downside to using five gigahertz is it's broadcasted on. It has slightly shorter range in terms of how far you can go away from the signal source. Right, mm-hmm. but it's yeah, our, much uh, faster. I'm actually really enjoying our router that has a five gigahertz band because. Uh, we have all the 
smartphones and smart TV on the five gigahertz band. Mm-hmm. And oddly, the laptops just can't pick up the five gigahertz band. But they might not. You have, want, they might be so old that they don't have it. Yeah. Maybe. Um, well, two years is so old, which is sad. But <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's working well. Yeah. Also, I have a very very big digression question about Twitter for you guys. Okay. Do you want you want to just do that here? Sure. Sounds good. Why so, not? So you guys are are you guys active on Twitter? Would you say? Yes. Yeah. How often are you actually looking at your feed? Ninety percent of the time. What do you mean I'm by one of the rare how ones. often? Like, how often do you have a Twitter tab just going? Oh, that you can kind of keep an just eye on. Check it like one or two times a day, and I'll scroll back in the app by. So I'm kind of like six hours behind, and I'll just catch up on the last six hours of tweets. Okay, and how many people are you following, respectively? I'm at fifteen hundreds. Yeah. Okay. I have it open most of the day. All right. Because I was trying to keep up with it for a while. And man, people just talk so much. Yeah. So <clears throat> on that, uh, I'm going to recommend you try a service that Twitter runs called TweetDeck. It's amazing. Oh, right. Uh, and if you if you keep, if you stay at the top, they'll, the tweets, you can turn it on so it'll keep them in a stream, but yeah. it'll just keep you at the top so new ones yeah. just pour in and uh then you don't have to do anything you can just go in and you're always seeing the latest stuff which i really like that does sound and nice. it also lets does you that, have multiple accounts which does that integrate over uh what do you call it like you can have an app on your phone and can you have a tab in your computer doing tweet deck uh there's no app for tweet deck which is actually really disappointing to me oh for a while there i actually still think i have a i just like saved it as a bookmark on my home screen because it's the only way that you can open, what is it? You can open one, uh, you can open a tweet from one account and retweet it from a different account. There's mm-hmm. no other way to do that. And mm. that's something I really like to do as a person with yeah. five Twitter accounts. <laughs> Tweetcaster, you can. But that's not an iOS app. Maybe not. It's definitely not. I would yeah. have heard about it. I've, I've gone looking and I would nothing. know. <laughs> I'll, I'll look again, but I would I would know yeah. it's true. But yeah, Twitter is yeah. often like even if I hear sirens or something driving around when I'm at work, I'll like open Twitter and see if there's <laughs> anything I need to know about. I follow a surprising number of economists on Twitter. Yeah, like one day they were. I just saw an article that went, "Hey, here are some economists you should follow on Twitter." And I went, "All right, I'll call this bluff. Let's see what happens." <laughs> Turns out they're they're great. They post a lot of really neat articles. Cool. Interesting. I might. Uh, there is a version of something called Tweetcaster, but we'll have to follow up and see if it actually is. Uh, it's like six dollars. Yeah. Six dollars. Same, same thing. Well, you can like buy a expensive? pro one. They may not have a free version on on iOS. Uh, I'll, I'll take a look. Okay, so let's move on to uh, our next story. So here, this we've been debating this back and forth this week a little bit uh, on the actual science of it. But uh, there have was we? news this. Sorry, have we? Well, Mike and I have. Uh, 
We've been de- debating whether or not you can get excited about sci- or you should get excited about science, even if it's not conclusive yet. That wasn't the debate, but okay. No, that was that was paraphrasing the debate. <laughs> so the headline is version a, is that a self uh, self glorifying summation, Rob? Yeah, uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> So the the headline version of this story is that scientists have discovered an organism that hasn't evolved in more than 2 billion years, which is hyperbole and... Yeah, that's total hyperbole. (laughs) But I think that the the actual science behind it is still cool. Is it a shark? That was the thing that Mike and I agreed on. (laughs) Is it a shark? That is a very, very common claim about sharks yeah too. well that's, well, I that's think millions of years i was gonna say i'm definitely to. off by a factor of or three orders of magnitude but <laughs> yeah it's not so, sharks is it oh man <laughs> it's not sharks no it's uh no nothing nothing other than bacteria and single-celled organisms have been around for more than a billion years uh so the this the actual science of this i still think is pretty cool even if that headline version of the story is Relatively like scientific clickbait? Yeah. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> so what they're saying is that this, they found this, I guess it's a, a patch this, yeah. of this bacterial colony that hasn't interacted with anything in its surroundings in 1.8 billion years. Did they find and it so, in a cave? It was in uh, a swamp or like a mud. Yeah, like some okay. kind of watery. Apparently yeah. there are a lot of things like that where it's just, Hey, look, there's this weird species of crab in this yeah. cave <laughs> because science. <laughs> right. And so the, the big sort of scientific thing here is that this is very helpful evidence for evolution because the, the evolutionary rule is that things don't have to evolve if they don't have anything to adapt to, if they don't have a change in surroundings. And they found that these these organisms have evolved very little and they haven't, they have, because they haven't had to adapt, they haven't adapted to anything, any changes. And you could say, Oh, like, look, this thing didn't evolve at all. And it's been billions of years, but it actually proves evolution because there was no reason for it to evolve in any sort of meaningful direction. Not to say that there have been zero evolutionary changes in that organism, just that it's basically the exact same, as it is now. Well, there's been no like mutated path that it's followed because it right. just, it, there's like, no evolution. The, the broad pressure. population yeah. works fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just the random genetic mutations that happen from generation to generation versus yeah. Evolutionary pressures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the quote here is that the microorganisms are well adapted to their simple, very stable physical bio- and biological environment. If they were in an environment that did not change, but they nevertheless evolved, that would have shown our understanding of Darwinian evolution was seriously flawed. And so that basically it backs up Darwin saying that things won't evolve unless there's a pressure to evolve, and then they will. And that's what happened. Wow. There was a piece of evidence that came out in support of Darwinian evolution. <laughs> Another, another wow. one in the long list of supporting so I was evidence say, for evolution. Geez. That's yeah. actually like, I don't know if this fully qualifies, but um, there's a lot of organisms that qualify as living fossils, and it's really, really interesting. Yeah, I should write a blog post. There's, like, you know, do you know uh, horse tails? No. Okay. Um, you can Google it. They're 
they usually grow in forests. So, Mike, if you go to Lake Louise, I'm pretty sure there's a bunch of them in the forest there. But they're really neat. Like, they they just have adapted very well and they're like, they haven't changed in several million years. They're like ferns or sharks. And, but it's interesting with plant life because they actually have like their cell walls are slightly different than all the other cell walls out there just because they hit a certain point and went, Nope, we're done. We're, do- we're doing pretty well. Let's, let's not change. Mm-hmm. But like all the other plant life in the world has followed convergent evolution to this new form of cell wall. Yeah. Hmm, neat. Cool. Living fossils. Hmm. So Mike, you want, have we walked this back from the sensational headline far enough to satisfy your need for scientific accuracy? Because you were saying, I like, think, I think it's you're in- trying to push it too far. Did we do it? Or is there still stuff you want? You I think have so. a lot of notes as long as in we- here. I I I've, I went down a rabbit hole of looking up what the null hypothesis was because okay. <laughs> I I looked up I looked up the original abstract that the our article was uh, referring to, right. and they talked about how this piece of evidence supports the null hypothesis of Darwinian evolution. So I was like, well, what's that? So then I looked it up, and I guess there's kind of an internal scientific debate or uh, disagreement on what constitutes the null hypothesis of Darwinian evolution. Um, because I guess one of the fundamentals of a scientific hypothesis is that there's a null hypothesis. Oh, is that like a falsifiable claim? Uh, it's, it's kind of like, I, I, I don't, I haven't been able to kind of get a like, firm grasp on what the full the meaning reason, is. So the reason that actual science, like actual science does not concern itself with religion is that religion isn't a falsifiable claim? Yeah, I think because I think can, that's kind of along those lines. So, like, if you proved, I'm imagining if you proved a null hypothesis, that would be falsifying the original claim. Yeah, like a null hypothesis means like where what's the evidence that it's not happening, like that it's not okay. there, right? So, like for Darwinian evolution, it's when there's no evolutionary pressures that cause adaptive change. That's the null hypothesis. But then some would argue, okay, well, the null hypothesis should be that there's no change period. Not not non-adaptive change, but just no change period. That would be the null hypothesis. So this piece of evidence with the bacteria not having the adaptive evolutionary pressure change could be considered showing the null hypothesis as far as the evolution not happening. But then some would say, well, because there's still genetic changes happening... Um, even though it's not evolutionary pressure, they wouldn't consider that non-evolution, I guess. I don't know if that makes sense. So I'm anyway, kind of I, yeah, so I, I looked it up and I, it kind of was like, okay, well, this, this shows that it's not just cut and dry as well. It didn't evolve. It's, we have to be specific that there were only the genetic changes, not evolutionary, evolutionary pressure adaptation. So, but no, we, to answer your question, Rob, we definitely covered it, and that that satisfied the the point that I was trying to make. Okay, I um, <clears throat> I just want to point out I went and, and did my own little mini rabbit hole about null hypothesis just now, <laughs> uh, and there's an XKCD about it, 
that doesn't clear anything up. And uh, there's an explain XKCD about it, obviously, that still doesn't really explain it well enough for me to wrap my head around it in a minute or two. Yeah. But I'm going to put a link to the explain XKCD so that we can we can talk about it or we can learn about it and try to figure out what the heck the null hypothesis actually is and how it relates to this story. Yeah. Um, I don't think right now is the time to try to learn no. what the null hypothesis is. Uh, but as it stands, this is cool. The organism yeah. hasn't hasn't appreciably evolved beyond what it would have uh, just by a random mutation in yeah. a really, really long time. So, I I mean, I'm looking at this comic now. <laughs> okay. I get it. It's just, I don't think it's that funny. Ouch. They're, well, they're trying, the joke is that they're falsifying the null hypothesis. Or they disprove so, the null hypothesis, which is utilizing a null hypothesis on the null hypothesis. So Randall Monroe missed on this one is what you're saying. Uh, well, I mean, I'm by no means the arbiter of humor. <laughs> but. That'd be a fun job. <laughs> no, I take then, it back. You, no, it wouldn't. Can you imagine there, like just destroying careers if I wasn't in a good mood? <laughs> like Russell uh, Peters catches me like when I'm sick or something and I'm like, I just can't even deal with you right now. Go away. And yeah. big headlines. Russell Peters disproved as funny man or I don't know. <laughs> All right. So that being said, we will follow up separately and we'll come back if, if there's any big news on the null hypothesis. How's that sound? Okay. Sounds what do you good. mean big news on the null hypothesis? No, like from us. How could have, there if, be big news on the null if, hypothesis? If we can add anything to the conversation after having done our research. Okay. Yeah. I actually think Julie explained this comic to me. Interesting. Well, yeah. maybe we'll we'll reach out to her and see if she can explain the null hypothesis. <laughs> yep. So the next, That'd be great. The next story we have here is... Uh, Radio Shack filed for bankruptcy this week. Yeah, and then there's also got still a Radio Shack. <laughs> there's in the states, yeah. The, the circuit cities have not, or the sources have not all gone to uh, Radio Shacks. Wow, isn't it the other way that the sources used to be Radio Shacks? Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, there are still Radio Shacks in the states. Yeah, up until right now. <laughs> right. Well, no, that's not that's not entirely true because. That was originally thought that they were going to be completely sold. And then there were rumors about Sprint buying them. And that's now, still them being sold. No, that's oh. not, no, okay, that's not true. All right, so Radio Shack filed for bankruptcy protection. And then Sprint bought up, I think, 75% or so of their stores. And now they're going to be, embark- they're going to be branded as Radio Shack slash Sprint retail locations. So you'll still have Radio Shacks. They're just going to be dual branded as Sprint stores. Hmm. That will they'll dedicate a third of their their floor space to Sprint and uh, their subsidiaries Virgin and one other one. There's, There's another a couple one of see. other ones. Yeah, that carriers that that work off the Sprint network. Um, so it's it's kind of like a uh, what are those? Those wireless wave type kiosks you see in the malls, or right, mm. or those types of locations? But it's going to be oh. for Sprint Sprint devices, or the Source, which also has a bunch of cell phone stuff in its locations, right? But and they don't have tech stuff. They don't have carriers 
marketing or or selling their stuff in there. Not individual carriers, but they no. have like they have cell phone booths in the store. Right, but offering plans from all carriers. Yeah. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. So these are exclusively for Sprint. Um, now, prior to Sprint officially uh, snapping up some of these stores, and they haven't bought all of them. They've only bought eleven hundred or something like that. Uh, people were speculating on, you know, what's going to happen to these stores. And some people were saying that it's an opportunity for Google to buy some retail locations and kind of open up a uh, a retail presence similar to the Apple Store or, or the failed Sony Store locations, um, or even the Microsoft the stores. Microsoft Store, yeah, that's... yeah. Um, Microsoft has stores. Yeah, they have like three or four in Canada. I think yeah. there's one in Edmonton. There's one in um, Toronto that I've heard yes. of. I think probably one in Vancouver too. Well, why in God's name would I go to Edmonton? <laughs> To go to the Microsoft store? I don't know. (laughs) That's the only reason. (laughs) Um, So, you know, obviously there's still that chance for Google to get into this game, but personally, I I don't know if if Radio Shack locations would be the best uh, opportunity just because it's not going to offer a big, grandiose, shiny experience the same way the Apple store does. Because if any of you guys have been into a Radio Shack or uh, or a Circuit City or the Source... They're not the best kind of environments. Well, not some of them. The ones that they've re-renovated or redone look amazing. Okay, they I've never like, been in one of those. Okay, like so imagine be- McDonald's to McCafe. They did sort of the same transition. It okay. looks a lot shinier and yeah. The ones now. I've been in have all been very like office-looking type, gray right. carpet and just you know a mall location. Right. So. Yeah. Some of them. Some of them look pretty good in comparison yeah. to that. What I remember the old ones looking like. Yeah. But what, what do you guys think of, of a Google store? I would that go that, every day. I was going to say that is one store that I would not boycott. <laughs> you don't. You go further than boycotting Apple stores. <laughs> you, like, you don't even refuse. You refuse to even look at them. When well, you're it's not by, even. You shield your eyes. <laughs> it's not like a, a boycott because I'm just one person. I just don't want to go into one. Yeah. You're just one boy. You're not a boycott. It's a good one, Mike. <laughs> one of these days, I'm going to offer to give you a piggyback ride when we're in a mall together, and I'm going to run into the Apple Store before you can jump off. Yeah? Are you gonna Are you gonna listen to Rebecca Black's Friday while we do that, Rob? I'm not. Yeah. We all have our irrational boycotts, Rob. That's not an irrational boycott. <laughs> that That seems fairly rational, actually. <laughs> I re- no, I was going to say I respectfully disagree. There's no respect there. I disagree. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm going to say on, on going back on topic, uh, there's also talk of Amazon possibly buying some of these stores. And I don't think that's completely off the table. But they were I think that's that it, a terrible idea. If They were saying partially they would have the, – they have sort of essentials that you can get at Amazon. And – they were talking about it also possibly being a, a depot where you can go and they would deliver stuff to that location and you would just pick it up from there as opposed to having to deal yeah. with UPS or FedEx or whatever. I like that idea. I like That's the idea of having idea. a couple like UPS stores yeah. where you can just go and pick stuff up, but for Amazon. Yeah. yeah. And even stuff you can, I guess you wouldn't ship out of there, but you, you could. potentially could. No, you could. People yeah. sell stuff on Amazon. Oh, okay. you, can, yeah. you could do that. Yeah. That was my uh, that was my business idea for college campuses or university campuses. 
just open up a little kiosk in there where people, where students could have their stuff shipped to and just pick it up on campus. There would be so much stuff. That would be such a huge space <laughs> requirement. It would be great. Be such a, uh, like you'd have, a, it would be a subscription service. You'd have like for five bucks a month, you can just ship whatever you want there. People would love that. So like Amazon prime, but on the, on the receiving end. Yeah. Huh? Ah. Maybe I could even team up with Amazon. Maybe you could. So, Maybe you should. Amazon, call me. <laughs> I have his number. <laughs> Rob, where do you land on the Google Store idea? I, I, I like the idea of a Google Store. Um, they were recently talking. Like I, I think that taking Apple's example in a customer service field, in almost any example, is a good thing. And so having an actual store that would sort of offer high-end stuff... They have had, if I'm not mistaken, they have had Google stores and they were bright colored and they had Chromebooks and they had, uh, they may have had Google it? sections and like Best Buy. No, they, they've had Google stores. They've had a couple. Um, but I think that, uh, if you can serve your customers in that way, it's a good thing. Yeah. And th- there's also talk about them using Hangouts as a customer service platform. In yeah. addition, to they, they've been testing out the Helpouts service for about a year now, but they've been talking about, or in the last couple of days there was news about how they were talking about using Hangouts as an actual customer service platform. So you're on the Google Play Store, you can click a button and get immediate help from an actual person. Yeah. The idea I really like about a Google Store concept is being able to actually demonstrate the products like yeah. if you have a Chromecast set up and you have a tablet there and you're you're streaming stuff to the Chromecast, that's that's a legitimate like it's it's happening right there and it, right. it really sells itself if that's something that would be useful to you. Um, and then they were talking about how now that they have Nest, you can do the same thing with Nest products, just kind of show how they work. You can do your little sales pitch and it's it's sh- it should be fairly straightforward to see it working right there. Um, or like you know even like wireless charging pads, like any of that kind of stuff, unless you're able to see it work and try it, I think people are, are hard to to get convinced to get them. But if they're able to try it out the same way in Apple Store, you you use like an iPad and see how smooth it is, or you see Apple TV working, um, yeah. I think that goes a long way in, in actually selling the product. Yeah, definitely. I uh, completely agree on that one. I don't see any pictures of Google Stores here like I had at back it was probably two years ago now that i remember this story from uh but i it, i do see what looks like a lot of uh sections in a best buy or some other technology yeah. store but uh, th- there are headlines i i don't, don't see any pictures but there are headlines that they're looking from march that they're looking to open retail locations in uh, new york city yeah which is interesting in itself so are we done with the Radio Shack slash Google store? Is there any yeah. last word? Can we talk about no, we're poop? we're done. Poop? I think we should talk about I poop. I would love to talk about poop. <laughs> so this, this is of particular interest to me. I know we've talked before. I know this isn't deja vu. We've talked about um, fecal transplants and microbiomes and all of this interesting stuff about how if you get the – if you have a certain – there are certain diseases where you can get – fecal transplants and get bacteria that will fight off the bad bacteria that's in your intestines or in your colon. And 
So I was reading a story this week about how someone received a fecal transplant, someone who was healthy, uh, healthy weight, completely like nothing else going on, no health problems, received a fecal transplant from an overweight woman and gained something like 30 or 40 pounds within six months of getting it and didn't change her diet at all. Like she, there was no other major change other than the fecal transplant. And, uh, so it, it, really gets me thinking we've talked um there's been stories about how we don't really know much about how bacteria actually affects our system and we have trillions of bacteria in our system but by cell count we actually are outnumbered by bacteria in general even though our cells tend to weigh more than bacterial cells but for instance heartburn we now know is caused by a bacteria in our stomachs so it doesn't it doesn't seem strange at all to me that something like our weight can be controlled by fecal bacteria or, or um, intestinal bacteria. It just, I don't know. What do you guys think about this? I'm not, I'm not trying to be a party pooper. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> you guys didn't even get that. Oh, um, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> but it should be, is Nick frozen? No, he's or is fine. he just very still? Very still. Oh. Um... They disclosed that this woman went on antibiotics okay. around the same time that she had the fecal transplant. So they can't directly attribute it to the transplant solely, this coincidental weight gain. Can you attribute weight gain to antibiotic um, use? I will jump in here. Um, they ha- there has been work done on uh, weight control in mice from fecal transplants and it appears to be part of the microbiome and it appears to be an influential part of the microbiome. But uh, yeah, like they've, they've taken obese mice and given them fecal transplants from mice of a healthier weight. And they just seem to lose all this weight. Hmm. One of those things. So I'm going to go ahead and call this not really news. (laughs) No, it's not. I don't think it's, 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 a, it's a recent story, but it's not news. No, it's not. It's, I, I wasn't trying to say it was news. I just I saw it, it. The story that I saw came out this week, and I wanted to talk about it. Yeah, because cool. I've been. I mean, I've been doing my own experiments relating to bacterial cultures, and uh, they've been going well. So I, I feel like we've talked about getting fecal transplants for all kinds of things, and how I would love to try that out i think it'd be did, really cool to be part of that did, experimentation did you did you experiment with poop rob i experiment i did not experiment at all with poop i experimented with oh, uh, okay. my skin if you'll recall oh yes i do recall we're at almost at three months now where i have not used soap unless i was dirty in a specific area like if I'd been playing soccer or something, or if I'm not talking about anything gross. <laughs> I realize it came out that way. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this this whole bacteria thing, the, the, the example when we learned about in university about how Heliobacter pylori causes heartburn and ca- can cause uh, ulcers in your stomach, it just, it makes me think that there are all kinds of ways that this bacteria can affect us, and we basically have little or no idea how all of it actually works. Well, I've heard, I hear a lot about our bodies being in a balance and it's obviously a very big ecosystem of bacteria and muscle and fat and bone and all this kind of stuff and blood and white cells and 
like it's very it has its own way of working and if you start trying to mess with it it's going to respond so it's it's not surprising that there is a reaction to doing this it's interesting to see what the actual reactions are and uh ideally to be able to use them to our advantage too you know if if yeah like nick you're saying if on one hand you can kind of take um obese mice and have them get to a healthy weight and it works the other way then potentially you can kind of go either way if you need to because there's even people who have trouble gaining weight and if it's just a matter of Mm -hmm. swapping out your microbiome uh in your intestines then then that's beneficial for that too Mm -hmm. yeah it'd also be nice if like you could just isolate it in a pill of live cultures or something like that yeah absolutely i yeah as a person who has i i wouldn't say i've struggled with weight but i've been very dense for a long time and it took it took knee surgery basically or i guess it took a knee injury to actually make me lose a bunch of weight and then i started exercising again after knee surgery and it just went right back to where it was before it's interesting to me to think that i can like technically by my bmi i'm overweight but if it could just be a bacterial fix fix that would bring me back into a normal range I think it'd be really cool and I'd be willing to try, even though I don't, I think that my, my life is just fine. I probably need to be more active, but other than that, it's interesting to see sort of what the changes that the human environment has gone through in the last couple hundred years, just with regards to sanitation, with regards to nutrition, with regards to all of the, the improvements to the human condition in, in the first world, Mm -hmm. I'm interested to see where modern medicine can take that, where modern science can take it. Yeah. But mm-hmm. this obviously is a very first world problem. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Although maybe not nearly as much as we think based on the research. So it'd be interesting to see. It's interesting to see because you don't see as much obesity in third world countries. And so it depends what the different, like maybe, maybe that is maybe something to do with our lifestyle is causing it other than just food obviously we eat a lot more calories but maybe there is some other factor that we just don't know about yet is that the null hypothesis did i did i get that (laughs) nick's actually thinking about it but i don't think that was a joke uh so speaking of poop mike you have another story here oh i just came across this this morning and i saw you were going to talk about poop so i was like oh this is relevant yeah, I've always um, wanted to do a poop segue, so. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, uh, I guess they, I don't know how they decided to even start this research, but they looked in sewage and like the waste that comes from sewage and they found that for every ton of sewage, you get 300 to $400 worth of gold and valuable metals out of it. Yeah. So, and I guess cities spend three to four hundred dollars to just get rid of this like per ton of sewage yeah so if there's that much in like harvestable metals then it might be worth looking into uh into actually trying to get it out um because apparently in low grade ore that's kind of the amount of valuable metals you'd find in a ton of ore is about three to four hundred dollars worth yeah so it's like okay well is it is there a way to get it out and that's the thing is that all this metals is all like dissolved and uh you just very small particulates versus mm-hmm. like chunks of nuggets yeah not not, <laughs> not metal nuggets anyway <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um 
so I don't know. It's it was just a little kind of fluff piece that I came across, but um, anyway, just thought it was interesting to to, to hear yeah. about kind of other ways of kind of using what we'd otherwise be throwing out. Yeah, the the talk about how it's comparable to just regular ore, like the word ore comes from, or I guess in the industrial definition is uh, material that is worth, that is financially worth mining. And so the fact that it's comparable to actual ore in the earth means that it is, it would, it would be financially worth isolating the metals from it, which is yeah. pretty cool. If you can economically extract out the metals. Right. But no, but that's thing. what, that's yeah. what I'm saying. That's what the word ore means is that you, yeah. it's dense enough that you can. I would be, um, I can't remember if I just spitballed about this or like people are actually doing it, but I would be really curious to see how much energy you could get out of sewage too. Like yeah. if you just oh, yeah, threw, threw a fuel cell in there and just let it passively flow. Yeah. So yeah. between mining out the poop and then burning the poop, you're pretty much using all of it. Turning yeah. in fertilizer, that, like there's all kinds of uses. Yeah, turning in a fertilizer, like... There's definitely no need to waste it. There's a good documentary called Waste Equals Food. Like, trying to close cycles and stuff like that. Yeah. I think that would fit in well there. Hmm. If you provide me with a link, I will put a link to it. Oh, I I actually had to borrow it from the U Ottawa library. No, but I mean, like, just so people can see what's it, what it's about. Oh, okay. I don't necessarily find it. Um, all right. Well, that's it for our poop segment. So, uh, oh, man, is there something more to, you wanted to say? That needs to be a regular thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure we'll be able to fill a whole, uh, a whole future chance poop corner. <laughs> yeah. Which sounds, <laughs> that's our poop corner over there. <laughs> uh, Mike, you got a story here about, well, there's been a lot of talk about self-driving cars. Um, so you have a story here about people talking about a possible self-driving taxi service from Google. Yeah, so Google right now is actually an investor in Uber. Um, and I, I think we're all familiar with Uber. Um, apparently, they're in Ottawa right now, right? They are, yeah. Uber service, yeah. You I don't think sure there's one in Calgary, though. Yeah, We've talked about the Transit app before, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing I heard this week, that Transit now includes Uber yeah, I can, mapping. If I open my app, I can see that an Uber is yeah. only four minutes away. Yeah. Oh, that's that's actually really cool. I GPS. think Cardigo is included in that the uh, transit app too. One of the yeah, the, there's a service in Ottawa that has a bunch of cars. Yeah, uh, Virtue Car, and yeah. that one's not included with the service. But Cardigo, I, I went yeah. to, I zoomed in on Calgary, and you can actually see where all the cars are. There's a yeah. bunch downtown during the day. Yeah, that. I know they're they're all in front of hotels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah. So anyway, Google's an investor in Uber, and then there's this whole thing about. You know they're on the cha- they're on the board and all this kind of stuff, and then there was rumblings of research being done or development on a self driving taxi service from Google. So obviously Uber's probably not thrilled about this because it's going to be in competition with them in a sense. Um, but I don't know. you could just charge via the Uber app for self driving yeah. cars. Like, it seems like it would be the ideal framework for it, the Uber framework. Mm-hmm. But I guess this takes the the risk of kind of just hiring a random dude to drive you somewhere uh, that Uber has. 
um, and just allows a self-driving taxi to take you somewhere. So different kind of risk, but... But there are a lot of regulatory hurdles before self-driving oh, exactly. cars that pick yeah, up for people sure. become a thing. Yeah, but it, it, I think it's definitely a future progress when it comes to transportation to have self-driving vehicles, even if it's not on the streets, maybe in a more controlled environment, say on like a resort, like in Disneyland, there's a lot of um, shuttle services that mm. take you back and forth between parks and to different areas of the park. So if you had a self-driving car that you could like either hail or that would just make regular stops, then that'd be perfect for that kind of thing. Cause you don't have a ton of other traffic to worry about and it's all just pedestrians. Um, so I think that's definitely a dilemma that you're going to start seeing is, is self-driving vehicles in those types of situations. So I don't know. It's, it's interesting to see Google kind of start making more, uh, more progress towards developing something like that. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm interested to see where the self-driving car thing comes actually comes out in the next five to 10 years before I start getting excited about a taxi service that uses self-driving cars. Cause at that point, do you really need a taxi service or is it just a fleet of self-driving cars? Um, the amount, the amount of, amount of people that would need to own a car, if you could just hire a driving, a self-driving car would probably go down quite a bit. Yeah. Cause it could just drive to you when you needed it and you could have it like, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to yeah. see how it goes. But if you have a self-driving car and you're like commuting to work, you wouldn't need a four passenger car. You could just hire a, a self-driving car that would sit one. You wouldn't need all the extra space. Maybe yeah. a car would become a luxury thing you'd use on the weekend or when you wanted to travel somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the next story I have here will be of particular interest to Nick. So the Ubuntu phone that we've been talking about for years uh, has a release date and it's like a week from now. So this is an actual hard phone that you can buy. Yeah. Okay. Because I know the phone OS has been out for ages. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the OS has been out for a while, but this is an actual phone that runs it natively. Yeah. Mm. And, and it's uh, a po- it sounds like it's a polished OS too. Like it's it competes with Windows and Android devices as far as usability. Nice. Right. That's exciting. Uh, they're saying that it's it's not just Ubuntu taking a shot at making a phone OS. It's it's Ubuntu that's been optimized for a phone. So cool. all the stuff that makes Linux and Ubuntu specifically good will be present on the phone. That's excellent. Yeah. I'm so happy. And it's only $190. Yeah. Ooh. So we'll give we'll give Nick a chance to go and find it. Yeah, apparently it's in Spain. It's starting to be sold in Europe. Uh, yeah. So we'll give you a couple weeks to to find one and try it out. <laughs> I gotta I gotta make some NDT money before I can do that. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. You are you are the senior correspondent though. Yeah, or that's contributor. Soon, usually, soon to be usually a senior contributor gets a budget to do things like that. <laughs> you are you are our I guess foreign smartphone correspondent as well this yeah. week. Oh okay. <laughs> Actually, so far, no budget. I know a bunch Sorry. of, uh, or at least a couple NDT guys that if you do aviation work, you end up just going all over the world because someone will have an airstrip and be like, hey, we should really check everything here. Should uh, should get an NDT guy. 
So I'll keep <laughs> uh, I'll keep my eyes posted for opportunities in Spain for unqualified workers. Okay, perfect. In the next couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. yeah in the next two weeks. <laughs> Got to be really Absolutely. soon before your schooling is even over. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, given that I can only miss like two hours of each class before I forfeit my ability to get certified, we'll see if uh, I'll see. Maybe, maybe I could just do it during like our ultrasonics unit, yeah. and it could be like, no, he's actually out in the field doing ultrasonics. He's fine. <laughs> just take a teacher with me or something. Yeah, totally reasonable. Uh, there- <laughs> So we'll move past Ubuntu, but we'll we'll check back on it once it's actually been released. But never forget. We will never, ever forget. Never, ever. Um, Mike, you have a story here on social science research. And I'm, I didn't look at it at all before the show, so you'll have to explain the context. <laughs> uh, so they, you know, we're young. We, we went through school. So we, we know how fads come and go, and we know how slang words come up and stop being used and... They all kind of come and go at the same time. So some researchers decided to kind of see how how people can kind of agree on what types of social norms arise within a population. And so they ran various experiments on grouping and uh, kind of uh, encouraging people to kind of come up with new words to describe things. And they monitored how the the populations kind of converged on a single decision, kind of like a norm, basically. So they, the experiment that they did is, you know, it's like, okay, come up with like a good name for a baby boy. And then they broke people up into populations and kind of different types of populations, either geographically or randomly or that kind of thing. And they actually found that when you had everyone in a random type of mixture they all, in one group, they all converged on a single decision, even without talking amongst each other as far as uh, kind of like, a, it's not a coordinated effort. They just happened to kind of come up with the same one based on knowing how many people were using what word. Huh. Um, now, you'd have to kind of read the whole paper to see their scientific method and stuff, but it was an interesting illustration of how populations will just naturally kind of decide on one or two different ways of doing things and it just becomes the norm like people kind of gravitate towards having norms and uh is is i think is most strongly illustrated in how language evolves and how new generations come in and start using certain words they kind of just kind of catch on and people just start using them um like even you know tech world you know people started using phablet only the last like right. i don't know a couple of years and it's just like a normal word now. People know the what word you mean. Selfie? Or selfie, right? Yeah. Like like you know, the Oxford English Dictionary comes out with their word of the year every year and it's usually one of those types of words that people just start using. Yeah. And everyone just kinda knows what it means. And it's just normal to use that type of word. Um like and I actually read an article a while ago and it it gets it's relevant again now in light of this research that um when you're trying to describe like when you say next weekend like for me, when I say next Saturday, do I mean tomorrow or next Sunday? Do I mean tomorrow or the next Saturday? Right. right? Because is this Sunday this Sunday or is it next Sunday? So it's, yeah. it's, it's one of those ambiguous things. And I guess they're trying to catch on or have the word oxed catch on. So instead oxed. of like next, it's oxed, like O-X-T. Interesting. 
and that's that's what they're deciding to use for the week. Like not next, not this Sunday, but next Sunday. I like right? not this Sunday, but next Sunday better. I know that's, it's it's much <laughs> but, more sort of clumsy. <laughs> but see, that that's the whole point is that to say Ox Sunday that yeah, it, yeah. if you just start using that then it might catch on. So, but wait, which, because it's ambiguous, I don't think you can pick another word that it wouldn't, wouldn't it be just as ambiguous? Could you not just say this coming Sunday or this coming? That that could mean tomorrow. No, but I'm saying they're, they're both just as ambiguous. Or the Sunday after next. Right. That's what ox means. But even seeing the Sunday after next, what do you mean yeah. by next? Does that mean, right? like, why are you going into that level? Maybe you mean two weeks from now. Like, I just think it's still a no, little ambiguous. No, because you'd, you'd have to say this, not this Sunday, but next Sunday. This Ox Sunday. No, just Ox Sunday. <laughs> ox Sunday? Yeah. So uh, that's... Yeah. Sorry, so what is the definition guy's... of Ox Sunday? What's that? What is the definition of Ox Sunday? Not this Sunday, but next Sunday. So Oxed Sunday would not be tomorrow. Right. It'd be the one after. And people get paid <laughs> to do this. Scientists they get paid get to paid, write yeah. blog posts about yeah. words that they're trying to use. Crazy. Like in this guy's in this guy's social circle, he said people have started using it and they just use it. Even outside of talking to him specifically. Hmm. Right. So it's so catching on somewhere. It. Oxed. Yeah. Huh. Incidentally, I know how... the University of Ottawa also came out with social science research in the past week or two, uh, differentiating a one night stand and a booty call. <laughs> Did that need to be defined? That seems like an important distinguished. No, they're pretty different though. Yeah. Well, that's the, I guess there's research into it now and it's on the record in public record. Yeah, I think it's fairly understood that a booty call isn't like it doesn't just happen, right? A booty call is like you call. Hey, let's go. I feel, I feel yeah. the biggest differentiation is that you know a booty call before actually making the booty call. Yeah. Whereas a one night stand is probably with someone you haven't met to that point. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. Look, we just <laughs> we we just did research ourselves. There Yay. you go, you Ottawa, <laughs> <laughs> making my alma mater proud. Where's our grant funding? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the last story we have here this week is the fact that I just wanted to get you guys' thoughts. So there is news out of, I guess it's out of Google headquarters, that Tony Fidel, who used to run Nest, which is now owned by Google, was put in charge of Google Glass. And there's a report that came out that says that he is basically going back to the drawing board and with the design and with the the user interface, he's starting over. So Google Google Glass, as it was put out, is going to stay like it was great as an Explorer thing, as a beta program. But they're going to sort of not necessarily throw away, but they're going to start over in terms of what the final design for a product that will go on sale to the general population uh, is not going to be the same as the Google Glass we've seen already. I think it's a pretty smart idea. What do you What do you guys think? Mm-hmm. I'd sure like to see it hit the market at some point. <laughs> I I think it's almost it's it's almost like he's trying to save face, but it's not his face. No, but it's like would would have the would the would that have been the same? 
if people liked Google Glass? I don't think it would have had to. I think if I'm going to sort of weigh in, I think it saying that or and doing it in any combination sort of resets consumer expectations. People like Google Glass as it stands right now is a running joke. It's like, oh, what a stupid idea! What a bad product. But that's the thing. This, this now and now was like, oh, psych, huh? that wasn't real. Uh, but it was that, never real. It was always a beta pro- product. We know now. We didn't know that no, when it was released. Knew. It was always a beta. It was always released as the Explorer edition. It was never a consumer product ever. They were I think very people clear expected it. I, people, people expect people expected the consumer product to be the same. Right. As no, the they, they definitely did. Absolutely. Yeah. I I did. I know that yeah. I. Within two years or whatever, probably less than two years, I expected it to be real. But it's similar to the the HoloLens. They announced it like, oh, this is coming soon and you can buy it. But there's no actual release date for it. So I think it's cool that they did it. And I, I don't think anyone should necessarily if, – if you had the money a couple of years ago to spend $1,500 on Google Glass or at any point in the last two years, I don't think people regret doing that. Um, but see, at least HoloLens hasn't released an Explorer edition that people no, are walking no, around yet. using. But they could do it right? at any point. They, they could. could. And if they weren't explicit from the start to say, this isn't what it's actually going to be like, then the actual one's going to be different. Then if they come back later and say that, then it looks like they're just trying to save face and be like, oh, yeah, we, you guys didn't like it, but don't worry, the next one's going to be different. Yeah. But I, I think it's good that they're they're taking the criticisms and the feedback from the Explore edition and yeah. hopefully making it more consumer friendly. Absolutely. I, uh, I like when any organization actually takes feedback and, and starting over is a hard thing to do. But the fact that the fact that this news comes around the time that they said, all right, this is no longer a Google X lab. This is actually now a Google product and we're moving it over into the actual Google offices. I think it's a step in the right direction and saying they're starting over. I think it's just a way to reset their expectations of the customers. I wonder if they saw what HoloLens does and they're going to start trying to integrate more augmented reality it, yeah. into their, their product. It's definitely possible. There was, a, there was a story about, I think it was Andy Rubin, one of the head honchos at Google in 2007, when he saw the iPhone keynote. He basically, he was driving yeah. when he, and watching it. Yeah, I remember reading that story, yeah. Yeah, and he he like... Basically, he saw what they had announced, the iPhone, and they were like, all right, well, we had this Google phone, but we have to scrap plans because like, ours is yeah. terrible in comparison. So yeah. maybe maybe they did see that and think, all right, well, let's just start over. But unfortunately, it was already a public product by that point. Like The public knew about it, and so they have to say, all right, we're – I'm assuming that this was – it's not necessarily something a company would announce, but it's the kind of thing that a company would leak, or leak give information to a journalist saying – Oh yeah, we're doing this, but it's not like there's no press release from Google saying we're starting over. It's just a oh, so this wasn't out. a press release kind of thing. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but but I'm excited to see Google Glass. How about you guys? In whatever form too. it does come out in. I'm excited for Hololens too, despite what you might think. <laughs> I am actually excited to see where it goes. Good. Yeah. I think it's a lot of speculation at this point. <laughs> Such a party pooper. Can we say poop a few more times on this podcast? <laughs> no, I think we've said it enough. We've said poop enough? Yeah. You think we've we've said poop enough? 
think we've all said poop enough. Poop? Maybe one more time. Poop? There we go. Poop. Poop. Are you going to say poop? Or am I going to say poop? Mike said poop. Why won't you say poop? So uh, I'm going to go to uh, a bit of follow-up section. Uh, We have a couple comments here from the Q&A. And I know we've addressed this question in the past, but uh, a guy, David B. Flower, wants to know if it's possible, if we think it's possible, that in the future flying cars will be our main transportation. I think that in in light of I know we've we've addressed this in past episodes and maybe I can put a link to that, but uh, with self driving cars becoming a thing, I think the flying car thing becomes a lot more likely. Having three dimensional transport doesn't seem as scary when it's robots controlling it. Really, it more likely? Continue. I feel like self driving cars make it less likely. But it's a lot. Like if you, you can, can have a lot higher volume of cars or of vehicles when you have three dimensions it doesn't have to you be can like also, in the sky but you can also have a much higher volume if it's automatically controlled yeah or like true. you know smaller vehicles not crashing into one another well yeah yeah i also feel like public transit would severely cut into the usefulness of a flying car yeah it's true if you had a train system the energy expenditure to keep a car aloft it just seems oh, yeah. preventatively expensive. I think I mentioned this when we were talking about the flying car idea. And I, I see flying motorcycle type vehicles where they're single, single driver, um, lightweight, low uh, probability of impact as far as size goes. I think you're going to see that before you see flying cars. Right. So mm. maybe it's just about framing the question like, maybe flying cars in in what we currently think of as a car won't be a thing, mm-hmm. but I mean, mass transportation cars are basically just planes and we already have those. Yeah. So maybe that's that a flying car yeah. already exists and we just don't think yeah. of it that way. I think you would just start seeing like single oh. user flying vehicles, like pod type things that you can just kind of get into one or two people and fly mm-hmm. somewhere. Like a private plane, kind of, I guess, but more practical than getting into a plane. Hmm. Okay. Uh, There's another, there's a couple more follow ups here from Michael Jobin. He says, uh, in in response to the the NFL spoiler thing, uh, he says, people do cheer interception attempts, which is a fair thing. Like, it doesn't necessarily mean that, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that an interception happened because people can cheer just attempts at interceptions, but still it's, it's still a a spoiler in the sense that something happened Mm -hmm. and you're behind. Yeah. I didn't necessarily give away that an interception happened, but that the Seahawks didn't score. Yeah. That was kind of the main spoiler there, but yeah, that's, that's true. That if something good happened for the Patriots, it wasn't necessarily an interception. Yeah. I wonder if hockey will get to the point where they start cheering for strategic elements. Well, no. Yeah, they're keeping a forward high. Woo! <laughs> nice back check. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> I, I say nice back check all the time when I'm watching hockey. You don't cheer about it, though. No, but I don't cheer really about anything. Yeah. <laughs> I might like whoop if a goal is scored, but yeah. I like Is a whoop on different good, than a cheer? Good technique. <laughs> is a whoop different than a cheer? It is. Okay. A little different. Neat. 
there's would also you, a would note you call here. a a whooping crane a very enthusiastic bird in that yes sense? i would yeah cool we should get a crane for the next <laughs> game we watch uh there, so our last point here will end uh on another comment from michael jobin he says he lives in minnesota canada but he really likes calgary and he has relatives there and he says we have a nice show which i'm very Aww. yeah thank you michael very happy to hear thanks mike <laughs> michael mike i don't know michael he goes by Michael. prefers. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else you guys want to say before we go this week? Poop. Oh, All right. <laughs> so nothing important. Oh wait, no. I actually have an idea. We don't have to do it now, but we should do it sometime. Um, we should just like at this juncture, like say the word clickbait. And then the Ooh. title of the podcast could be like. We talked about clickbait, and then the most amazing thing happened. <laughs> and, and then, then you get put, all yeah. the way through the podcast to this point where I'm like, oh, hey, clickbait's stupid. We we already did talk about clickbait when we talked about the scientific clickbait. Oh, yeah, yeah the, we did. Scientific the clickbait. evolution one. We right, talked about scientific clickbait. clickbait, and then the most <laughs> amazing, and you'll never believe what happened next. <laughs> the show ended. <laughs> <laughs> I had tears in my eyes when I saw what happened next. <laughs> talked about clickbait and it restored my faith in humanity uh, click to see why alright thanks for joining us this week for future chat as always we will be back we will be back next week with more science and tech talk in the meantime drop us a message on twitter at future chats you can find past episodes and more at futurechat.me on the web see you guys next time Hi, Rob. Blue.